Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mandy. I'm the Kids Community Director. And I would love to call us together in worship this morning. Before I do that, I do want to explain that today is Everybody's Sunday. So this is kind of new because we haven't done it for a few years through COVID. Um, Everybody's Sunday happens on fifth Sundays, which is just a few throughout the year. But it's a special time that we invite our kids to stay with us upstairs and to participate in everything that we do throughout the gathering. So we do have twos and threes and fours and fives open downstairs Um, But all our other kids will be with us. So if you see a kid, introduce yourself. Kids, introduce yourself to the people around you when we have some greeting time. Um, And I want to tell you a little bit about what we're learning downstairs. Through the Philippians series that Micah is teaching, um, we have decided to branch off of that and do fruits of the Spirit. So our kids have been learning a different fruit of the Spirit each week. And it has been beautiful for them to wonder and to hear a story from the Bible that correlates with it, and then to just wonder what God is telling us and how we can bring that fruit up and out into the world and um, within ourselves. So early on, I actually reached out to to Jeff Zupfer. He's one of our community members. He's a musician. He's a music teacher and artist. And I said, Jeff, there is no good song on YouTube for Fruits of the Spirit. Nothing that we would ever want to show our kids. So... (laughs) Within a week, Jeff had a song written, beautiful words, and even a video on YouTube ready for us to put, give to our teachers and give to our parents to help our kids learn the fruits of the Spirit. So I am going to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and then after I do that, um, the video is going to play just the kind of part of it. It might end awkwardly, just ignore that, but it is a long video because there are a lot of fruits of the Spirit. But our kids actually have only learned half, so we're just going to show about half of it. Um, But kids, adults, everyone sing with. It's an echo song, super easy to learn, and kids shout it out. We've been practicing downstairs. So as I read Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I encourage you to just ponder these fruits of the Spirit and think about how you're seeing them, how you're experiencing them, and how you're giving them to the world. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Uh, Good to see you all. Good to see you all. Uh, My name's Micah. If we haven't met, I shaved my beard. My wife hates this mustache, so... (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so it's like if you tell me not to do something, I'm going to be like, ah, I think I'm going to rock that for a little while, you know? But So if you're wondering what happened to you and how long is that going to last, probably not very long, so there you go. Um, guys, it's shorts weather, you know. We're, um, it doesn't look like it out there, but we're going to will summer to being. Um, it's good to be with you all. Uh, a couple things before we get started. Uh, first and foremost, if you're new, um, welcome. We're really glad that you're, you're here, that you're with us. We'd love to know that you were. So um, on the, in the seat pockets in front of you, the pews there or online. Uh, actually, the QR codes. Let's talk about that. There are QR codes. On the, in the, if you're in a pew, you can uh, 
take a little picture of that, and in the, in the next week, we'll have a, a, that one up there as well, so if you're in the seats. But that'll take you to kind of a landing page where you can connect with Awaken, you can fill out a card, or if you'd like to give uh, to Awaken and our life together as a church, you can do that. Um, but if you're new, let us know what you are here. We'd love to invite you to a beverage of your choice and get to know you a little bit. Um, tithes and offerings, if you don't give online and you brought them, can go in those boxes at the exits, uh, hanging on the wall there. A couple things we want to let you know about. There's an artist mingle coming Thursday, the 2nd of June. That's like right around the corner. That's this week. Holy cats. Um, 7 p.m. at the Denim's house. You can email melody at Awaken West 7th for the address for that. Uh, that's just a hangout for folks who, if you consider yourself an artist or creative in any way, um, even if that means, you know, like you're just a wicked spreadsheet, you know, wizard, you can go to the artist mingle, okay? Like, you're welcome there. Um, also, there is um, next week, Worship in the Park. So the first Sundays of June, July, August, and September will be in the park. That'll be uh, at Highland Park Pavilion. So if you know where the golf, the Frisbee Golf Course is, or the Golf Course, or Circus Juventus, it's right up on the top of the hill there. And uh, we'll be there one service next week at 11 o'clock at Highland Park. And that's a day we're going to um, specifically um, celebrate and thank Jane uh, Berg, who has recently transitioned off of our staff team and onto other things. So if you'd like to bring something to thank Jane for her time and uh, investment in you or in our community, please feel free to do that that day. Uh, the 12th, next Sunday, I'm sorry, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, two weeks from today, is our annual meeting for Awaken. That's going to happen right after the, the gathering uh, on the 12th. We'll have some lunch, and then we'll have that meeting. We're working on um, kid care. It'll probably be some, some of our teenagers in a movie downstairs, but hey, you know, we're, um, that's okay too sometimes. And, um, and also with that, uh, starting June 12th, so not next week, but the week after, we're moving to one gathering for the summer. Uh, so throughout the summer, it'll just be one gathering, 10 a.m. We'll get everybody together in the building. Um, and that'll be fun for the summer. Um, and that is that. Uh, I think that's all the announcements I have. Um, oh, yeah. On what? Oh, yeah, at the annual meeting. It'll just be right after the gathering. So the gathering will be at 10 o'clock on the 12th, and then the annual meeting. We'll do lunch right after that, and we'll probably get started uh, around noon for the annual meeting. So. Okay, uh, thank you, Trevor. Um, I actually want to begin this morning, not uh, in our series, but I'd just like to read a passage from Isaiah chapter 2. Um, just as a reminder, I don't know where or how this week felt for you um, or what it feels like to come to church. You know, a lot of times when you come to church, it's like uh, everybody's happy, joy, joy, clap, clap. Um, and at least sometimes that's my experience of church. And the invitation is to sort of join along, but sometimes you're just not ready to clap or be joyful. Um, and this week was one of those weeks where it's like, God, what on earth is going on? Um, why can we not figure this out <laughs> as a country? I don't know about you, but I, just, I, I was just mad most of the week. It's like, for, for Christ's sake, and I say that like with not in, in vain. Um, so I'd just like to read Isaiah 2, uh, the beginning of Isaiah 2, um, just as a reminder, as like a, a vision for uh, what the prophet saw and what we, uh, people of faith, hope for. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll move to, to Paul and Philippians. But I just felt like we couldn't, couldn't not start here. So this is what Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. 
In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The Lord will go out from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many. And they, the people, will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Amen? God, may it be true. Even just glimpses of it in our life, I pray. Um, and for our part in that, God, would you uh, heal us, uh, bind our hearts together, um, the people of Texas and of Buffalo and we could just keep naming cities and um, schools. God, our hearts grieve and mourn at the loss of life, uh, at violence, at um, our inability to, to live at peace. So heal our hearts, heal our minds, heal our bodies, heal our, our world, God, we pray. Together as your church gathered this morning, we pray. Fervently and with passion. Um, heal us, God, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to continue in our series on Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Uh, remember, this is Paul. He's writing to a little church plant. Uh, the jailer and his family and um, a woman named Lydia and her family are the, the, the plant, like the launch team. And um, Paul's writing from prison. He doesn't know if he's going to see these folks. Last week we talked about this passage in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, which is the kenosis passage. That's a Greek word. It means like emptying. And this is where Jesus does not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He doesn't hang on to it. He doesn't like go looking for it or try to preserve it or grasp it, but rather like lays it down um, willingly, sacrificially, uh, Volitionally, Jesus lets go of power and privilege and position and does this thing that Jesus does, with his, which is a path of descent, uh, of letting go of sacrifice and love for, the, for his siblings, for his brothers and sisters, you and me, even unto death, Paul says. And because of that, uh, Jesus' name will be lifted up, and at, every, at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we ended last week with this exercise where we kind of looked at, we sat with passages that lean towards this idea that Jesus' death and resurrection is effective for all. You know, every knee will bow. Jesus says, I, I would want all men to be saved, all humanity to be saved. So we read passages there and we sat with that. And then read passages that we talk, that talk about sort of this idea that it, the exclusivity of Jesus' death and resurrection and by faith and I just kind of left you in that, so I actually would love to do a little all play this morning. If you're new, I'll just ask a question, and I'd love for you to actually respond. So we did that last week, and just like with a couple of words, if you were here, I'm wondering what that experience was like for you. If you could describe it in a couple of words, what was that like? We sat with these passages that seemed to be at odds with one another in the scriptures, saying two seemingly contradictory things, right? So what was that experience like for you? Just a couple of words, if you were here. Yeah. Yeah, freedom to sit with curiosity. Yes. Love that. Good. Thanks, Jesse. What else? Uncomfortable? Yeah. Any, you want to say anything more about that? No. Okay. <laughs> Amen, sister. 
What else? Kind of wrecked you. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> Refreshing to acknowledge the tension. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good. That warms my heart. Anybody else? Hi, Allie. Patty, good to see you. I think that was a wave. Not a, I'd like to speak. So, yeah, okay, good. She's going. Um, good. I, I, I'm glad that, that uh, it was a little bit of a risk. I wasn't sure how that would go. And, of course, the hope is that um, this is a place where we can wrestle with those things, right? When you come on Sundays, my hope is that it's a, it, this is a space where you can bring the honest questions and the doubts or the wonderings of, like, gosh, these passages are in there. Why don't we talk about that? Um, and, and holding the tension, sitting in the tension, not answering the question or attempting to give an answer to the, to the really, really profound and deep question, right? So I'm glad that that was the case for you. Um, let's keep going in Philippians. I'm going to ask Larissa to come and read from Philippians 2. If you have your Bibles, we'll start in verse 12. And if you're able, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the word. And then we will jump in, see what the Spirit has for us today. Philippians 2, 12-18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that they, you may know, you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray together. God, this morning as we turn our attention to the scriptures in this letter from Paul to these people in Philippi, I pray that we would remember that this is not abstract, this is not uh, detached from real people in real lives, that this was one guy writing to a group of people that he loved. So help us to find the nuggets, help us to find the through lines that are in Paul's words that you chose to reveal yourself through then, that you may in fact want to reveal yourself through today. Uh, so give us ears to hear and eyes to see you, I pray, in the strong name of Christ, by the power of your spirit, the church said together, amen, amen, you may be seated. So here's what I want to do today, there's really two, two parts to this that I want to try to unpack, uh, the first of which is work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The second of which is do nothing or do everything without grumbling or complaining. Arguing, I think, is the one translation. I'm not going to really get to the, the, the latter sections there. Um, because I think these two are, are really interesting, especially as it relates to what Paul's doing here, right? Remember, he's writing to this group of people. 
He may not see them again, and he wants them to live their lives in such a way. Remember a few weeks earlier, he said, conduct your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. Um, Essentially, like, send a message to the world that you're living in through the very lives that you live. May your life be your defense of the gospel, your apologetic, as it were. Uh, So I want to talk about those two things, and and, um, specifically, like, the words Paul's using when he says grumbling, complaining, uh, crooked and perverse generation, generation, like, what's going on there? That seems a little abrupt. Um, and actually, he's tying into a story that's way back in the text, so we'll do a little bit there, and then we'll kind of bring it back to today. So that's the plan. Uh, so first, Paul says, um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, what does that mean? Uh, let's start with what it doesn't mean. I want to start by saying, work out your salvation does not mean you earn your salvation, Right? Um, work out something, uh, something being salvation, Paul is not saying to anyone that you can earn or work or do enough to attain or get or reach this idea of salvation. Um, Imagine if you're like a coach, right, and you, you, you've got a team, and you're, you're like pouring into them, and you've got practice, right? We're not even talking about the game, we're talking about practice, so you're going to practice all the time. You're doing practice. You're running drills. You're, you're teaching them the, the fundamentals and how to play and how to play together and the plays that they have to run and all this stuff. If you want to look that up, by the way, that's Alan Iverson. I'm talking about practice on YouTube. It's, it's a classic. Uh, so you're a coach. You, 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 you're doing the deal. You're practicing. you got the big game, and it's coming up. And you're prepping. You are getting ready to take the things you've been practicing and to, like, put them into action, to, like, put them into play, as it were. And then the big game comes, and and you're on your way, and it is a traffic jam like you've never seen. It's gridlock. You're stuck. You're not going anywhere. You're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So you call the captain of the team, and you're like, put me on speakerphone. And you gather the team around, and what do you say to the team? You say, listen, you guys, you gals, you can do this. You, you, know, you, you, you know the plays, you've been practicing in my presence and out, like, you've been practicing on your own. I've, like, seen it on Instagram. You know you guys are running drills and doing the deal. You know everything you need to know. You've practiced, you're ready. Now you have to go work it out. See what he's, see what, this is what Paul's doing. He's saying, friends, church of Philippi, you know how to do this. You know the lives that you've been called to live as, as the people of God in the world. So you've been practicing. You've been learning. You've been studying the scriptures. You've been challenging one another to get better and to trust each other. Now, work it out. Work out the thing that you've attained. Work out the thing that you've given yourself to, this way of being human in the world as followers of Jesus. Work it out. Paul is not saying you can earn or you can, uh, you can attain, you can buy, you can purchase salvation or uh, God's approval. You just can't do it. He, he knows, Paul, salvation and participation in the life of Christ is something we receive as a gift. Look at what it says in the next verse. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his purpose. Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, he writes, to another church in another city, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace, right, that you've been saved through faith, not by anything you can do. It's a gift from God. Whoa, lest anyone can boast on their own. Paul knows this. So he's not saying you can, like, earn your salvation or you can, like, work for it. So this is a a classic kind of... um, tension in faith, especially in the Christian story. Faith and works, right? Um, 
In the partnership class, when you, if you want to be a partner at Awaken, we talk about our, the tradition that we're a part of. That is, uh, at least for the time being, in the covenant. Uh, <laughs> and we talk about three things in the covenant story that, are really, that really matter. Three like strands that we draw from. So a little history lesson, if I may. Um, pietism is this renewal movement in Sweden in the 1700s. Um, evangelicalism is like, like in the broad sense, right, which is actually quite beautiful in its earliest forms. Some of the most influential social justice institutions of America were from the evangelical movement in the early, early like American history. Dorothy Day, Salvation Army, that's evangelicalism, not Trump and right wing and the religious right, okay? So we draw from that tradition, but we also draw from the, Re- the Reformation tradition. So if you remember, the church, one holy Catholic apostolic church, which is a bit of a misnomer because there were all kinds of factions. Anyways, all the way up to 1054, then there's a schism between the East and the West. Constantinople and Rome become the centers of the East and the West. And then in 1517, Martin Luther tacks the 95 Theses on the door of the church at Wittenberg because he's got some issues with what's going on in the Catholic church in the West. And that becomes the Protestant Reformation, which you and I, the covenant, and you and I as Protestant Christians, uh, that's, our, that's sort of connected to our story. Now, I say all that because Luther is um, he's challenging some things happening in the Catholic Church, particularly the selling of indulgences, the idea that you can buy forgiveness from God. Did you guys know that, like, in, in actual fact, the Catholic Church was selling indulgences. So you could like go and buy like a prepaid sin and then just like execute that and you were already forgiven because you already purchased it, you already paid for it. And they were doing it to raise money. It was like a fundraiser, you know, like selling candy bars. You know the world's finest candy bars? The kids come to the door? That, that's what's happening here. To, to, to fix the basilica in Rome. Well, as comical as that sounds, it was happening. And Luther's like, you, you can't buy forgiveness. You can't buy salvation. You cannot earn or buy this gift that is from God. So he tacks up the theses on the, 90, on, the, on the door at Wittenberg, and the rest is history, as they say. I tell you all that because it's, it's important that we remember part of our story and, and, and uh, what is Paul really getting at here? He's saying salvation... Faith, uh, relationship, connection with the divine, it's already been given. It's already on offer. It's happened. It's done. Christ has lived, died, and was resurrected. That is a free gift from God for you. So good news, gospel, evangelion. You cannot, you, you can't do enough to earn God's favor, and you don't have to because it's already yours. God already looks at you and sees beloved, sees son, daughter, child, like open arms. It's yours. So what Paul's not saying in work out your salvation with fear and trembling is you got to work. You got to work for it. You got to earn it. You got to like stay. And, And isn't that one of the like deepest existential questions that humans have been asking for history? How do I appease God? Are the gods angry? I think there was a movie about that. And we've been asking it forever. And Paul is entering into that conversation. He's saying, not, yeah, keep doing the thing. You got you to check these boxes. You got to come to church. You got to say your prayers. You got to do penance. You got to da-da. No. 
You can't earn it. So good news, it's already yours. Just receive it. And then, once you've received it, once you've experienced it, once you've tasted it, work it out. Work it out in your lives. Remember what he's already said. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He's talking about what it means to be a person of faith in the world. And this is in that context. So once you've seen it, once you've tasted it, then it can only produce in you good works. Right? Luther goes on. He says this. This is a great quote. He says, oh, faith is a living, busy, active, mighty thing so that it is impossible for it not to be constantly doing what is good. Likewise, faith does not ask if good works are to be done, but before one can ask, it's kind of like your teenager, you know? Before you can even ask to do the dishes. They've done the dishes. (laughs) Faith, (laughs) sorry, sorry, Uh, does not ask if good works can be done, but before one can ask, faith has already done them and is constantly active. Whoever does not perform such good works is a faithless man or woman, blindly tapping around in search of Search of faith and good works without knowing what either faith or good works are. In the meantime, he jabber, chatters and jabbers a great deal about faith and good works. Martin Luther, he was a funny guy. So for you, I guess, let's begin with this question. If you have experienced the benevolent love of God, if you have in some way come in contact with, tasted, seen, experienced the free gift of God, How is that then working itself out in your life? How is that making itself known in your works, in your actions, in your actual lives that you live? Paul's saying salvation, connection to, uh, intimacy with the divine, work that out with good works, with faith and works together doing something in the world. He's reminding them. They've got to work it out. They've been practicing. They're learning. They're doing the deal. They're they're, they're baby-stepping. Now, let's sail, baby. Okay? So, that's, that's the first verse. Second, verses 14 and 15, he says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. All right, kids in the room, listen up. Kids, this is one that your parents may quote to you. I said to Laura, or she's like, what are you pre- preaching on? I was like, oh, pa- uh, Philippians, you know. Or I said, uh, something about do nothing, do everything without grumbling or complaining. She's like, oh, Philippians 2.14. I was told that all my life. <laughs> uh, I, kids, that's a good idea. Not grumbling, not complaining, not arguing. That's a good idea. But stick with me. We're going to go a little deeper with this one, okay? Because mom and dad may not totally get what Paul's saying here. So we're going to help them get it, okay? Um, in order to do that, I actually want to go on a little excursus. Uh, and it's Exodus and New Exodus. If you've not been to Awaken or you're kind of new around here, you haven't studied the Bible with us, one of the lenses that we will often use to read the text is this idea of Exodus and New Exodus. Because the Bible, uh, many Jews would argue, the Bible begins in Exodus. Right? The end of Genesis, Joseph and his family find themselves all the way making their way down to Egypt. And there's a pharaoh who knew not Joseph and then enslaves the people. And uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 2, it says that God God hears the cry of the, the groaning cries of the Israelites. He sees them. He remembers them. He knows them. He hears them and acts. And so Moses is sent, burning bush, to go liberate the people from Egypt. This is the storyline of the Bible. Enslavement, liberation, 
of a people into a land. That's the story of the Bible. Enslavement, oppression, liberation for a people in a place. So that's what happens from the book of Exodus all the way through the books of Malachi or the book of Malachi, the last prophet. The working out of liberation or enslavement, liberation for a people in a land. That's the working out. That's the whole story of the Old Testament. And by the time Jesus rolls around, um, well, it, it's like it needs to happen again. This is why the gospel writers often will talk about Jesus as a new Moses, as a new Exodus leader. You remember in, uh, I think it's Mark's gospel, where Jesus, uh, he's like talking to the people and he goes through, he passes through the crowd and, um, and then they're ready to like throw him off a cliff because uh, he said something that made him mad. Uh, he passes through the crowd. That's total Exodus language of Moses passing through the Red Sea with the people. There are t- all kinds of points in the Gospels, and Paul does it as well. So when you hear something like, do everything or do nothing with grumbling or complaining, is there any story that you remember where this is a, a theme? Grumbling and complaining? Yeah, this is the Exodus story, right? The, one of the most common responses of the people in the Exodus story is they're complaining. They're grumbling. Same words. And over and over, they're like, Moses, why did you bring us out here? You brought us out here to die. They grumble and they complain. So when Paul is saying, do everything without or do do nothing by grumbling or complaining, he's not just picking up new ideas. He's tapping into a story that these people would have known. And he's saying, essentially, you got to rise above. Don't let your past inform your present. Is that a message anybody needs to hear today? (laughs) Don't, your past doesn't have to inform your present and your future. So Paul's saying, do, listen, do everything without grumbling or arguing, grumbling or complaining. He's tapping into the Exodus story. And then he actually taps into the book of Daniel, uh, which was a, a, a book that like, ancient Jews loved and had close to their heart because it, it presented a vision of the future, which included a Messiah who would liberate the people again and the, the tearing down of kingdoms that were oppressing the people, and, and resurrection, actually. When he says, you will shine like stars in the universe, that's Daniel chapter 12, verse 9. It reads this way, those who are wise, Daniel says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness will like the stars forever and ever. This vision of those who are wise, who interpret scripture and Torah and live well with God, will be like stars in the sky and shining like uh, stars in the universe. Uh, N.T. Wright has a great quote on this. He's in uh, his commentary on Philippians. He says, in fact, when he, Paul, speaks of them shining like lights, he's quoting from Daniel, which speaks of the wise, by which they meant Israelites, skilled and knowing and applying God's law not least in the time of persecution, shining in that way to the world around. And what's more, the passage is connected to Daniel's promise that God would raise the dead. Another theme that will become important in the next chapter of Philippians. In a sense, Paul's saying, not just that the Philippians are to be a sign of light or beauty in the world, but they are to be a sign of God's new life in this world. A world that only knows the way of death. Paul is encouraging, challenging the people to do something without grumbling or complaining, without, tap, without reliving the story they lived before, without living with faith that they're on a journey, that they're being led, that they're going somewhere. And in doing so, they will be like stars in the universe. So let's, let's pick this apart a little bit as we kind of wrap this up. Um, this passage, we were, we were 
prepping for it as a staff, do everything without grumbling or arguing. I don't know if you've ever heard, heard it this way, but the, the phrase or the, the idea kind of goes like this. If there's conflict, there must be sin in the camp, you know? Like if there's, if there's conflict, there, something must be wrong. There must be, somebody must have done something wrong. There must be sin in the camp. There must be somebody at fault here. If there's conflict, then we got a problem. And so we can't have problems because we're, we're Scandinavians and we got to keep it together. Uh, you, we, can't do, we can't do conflict. And so you got to keep your mouth shut. You got to go along to get along. You got to peace at all costs, right? Are, you, are we tracking? Am I preaching to the choir? Are you tracking with what I'm saying here, okay? And this is a passage that comes along and kind of supports this idea. Don't, don't do everything without grumbling or complaining. You got to keep it together, people. And I just want to say, um, and parents who maybe have quoted this to your children, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, the kid's version of this is, you get what you get, you don't throw a fit. Okay? Um, I, I want to suggest that that's maybe not super helpful and sort of puts us on a path that leads away from what Paul is inviting the people to live, which is mature lives, where they're in actual relationship with one another, where there is bound to be conflict and difficulty or disagreement or disapproval, right? Like uh, um, disappointment. So how then do you do that? Do you, just, do you just never bring it up? Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Or is there something deeper there? So look at the words Paul actually uses for what's translated grumbling or complaining or arguing. The first word is gongismas. Everybody say gongismas. That's such a great word. Gongismas. Uh, murmur, maybe, in your translation. It means like a secret debate. That's different than, than, than grumbling. A secret debate, a secret displeasure not openly avowed. Man, that's like, a, that's like a soap opera. Do everything without gone geese mossing. Do everything without gone geese mossing. Without a secret displeasure, not openly avowed. Do everything without gone geese mossing. Without a secret debate kept from the person who it involves. <laughs> Do everything without the second word. Dialogismas, somewhat similar. Disputings is maybe in some of your translations. A deliberating questioning about what is true. Like someone who's just niggling, always skeptical, always questioning, always uh, never believing, never trusting, you know? Always suspect. That person who's always kind of like, I don't know about you. Do everything without gongismasing, without a secret debate among yourselves and not the person who it involves. And Dialogismas, without this kind of like always questioning, never, never happy, like always skeptical. Don't do that. Why? Because that is, is what the world does. That's what we do. That's what humans do. Uh, if we have a conflict, the last thing we want to do is find the person that it involves and like work it out. Like have an honest conversation about that thing that you're disappointed about or frustrated by. No, no, we would never do that. You just don't know. Don't bring it up. Talk about it with your friends behind their back, but don't bring it up with them. Don't, right? This is, this is what we want to do because this is way easier and way more fun, let's be honest. Like it, does, it just trips some trigger in us. Like. So this is what we do. And, and this is a little off, right? This is like Paul says, uh, a, 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 what is it? A, a perverse and crooked generation. 
right? This is what the world does, a perverse and crooked generation. These two words, diastrepho, it means to distort or turn aside, to turn aside from the right path. So think about like a path that one is on and to like be off that path. Now we're into a conversation about what is the word sin in the Bible, like to miss the mark or to be off the path. Torah means teachings or path. Um, and then scolios, I'm guessing that's where we get the word scoliosis. It just means crooked. It's just like bent. Luther says that sin is the heart bent or turned in on itself instead of towards others, which is what it should be or ought to be, what we were made for. So what is Paul saying? To a generation living in a world that is often at odds with the way of the kingdom. Remember, we talked about two stories, right? One, one that Jesus is about, that's abundance and benevolence and whole, whole like uh, shalom and peace, right? And this other one that's about, like, you got to get it for yourself. You, it's a zero-sum game, so you got to do unto others before they do it to you, right? Two competing stories. Paul says, to those of you living in a world <laughs> that spends their time and energy over here, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel in public. Do what you do without secret murmurings, mutterings, debates. If you have an objection or an issue with someone, which you will, don't keep it a secret. Don't hold a grudge against your sibling. Especially, don't keep it in the dark from them, but then talk about it, debate it, murmur it with others in the back room. Don't do that. It's divisive. It kills. It's death. Don't question everyone or everything someone says. At some point, you have to be in relationship with each other and learn to trust each other. And people who are skeptical of everyone and everything and never learn to trust other humans, that's miserable in the end, and they're no fun to be around. That's not good news. So don't be that. And learn to live in harmony with each other. Learn to live at peace with one another. Put the needs of others before yourselves. He's already said this in Philippians. Learn the Jesus way. And if you do this, if you do this, you will stand out like stars shining in the night sky. Why? Because in the world we live in, in the world you live in, Paul to the Philippians, this is like a diamond. It's like, it's like fresh water in a desert because it's what you were made for. It's what Jesus modeled. So if you do it, if you learn to live it, if you practice it and then work it out in life, you will be like, like stars shining in the night sky. So, my friends at Awaken, is it possible that conflict in the camp, disputes, or dissatisfaction are, in fact, not signs of sin? Yes. It's very possible. In a community that does relationship well and is learning to be mature emotionally, spiritually, there will be conflict. There will be dissatisfaction. There will be frustration. If we learn to not murmur about it in the back room, but work it out, we will shine like stars in the universe. Paul is inviting them. Live in community and relationship with others in a way that leads to life. One that's where there's honesty and communication and the resolution of conflict with others. Where that's the norm. And that cannot happen when you're gone geese-mossing all around. Okay? Don't do that. Paul wants the church to be a, a ambassadors. Like um, embodiments of, of, of a new way of being human. A new life. It turns out uh, that the invitation is to die before we die so that we can taste life before we live. I'll say that again. 
no matter how you slice it and dice it, no matter how you cut it, the words of Jesus and the invitation of the gospel is to die before you die so that you might taste life before we live. Before we are resurrected in the kingdom, before we experience life as we were meant to live it, die now before you die. Die to self, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. This is Jesus' invitation. Die now to self so before you die so that you can experience life before we live. That's the gospel. That's the, that's the invitation. And this is what Paul is inviting the church at Philippi to do. Die before you die so that you can taste life before you live. Now that's not to say we're just hoping, and wait and we're in some waiting room and we're just all sitting around waiting for Jesus to like evacuate us to some cloud on the sky. If you've been around long enough, you know that I just do not like that. I hate that. That's bad theology. So that's not what I'm inviting you to. But there is a sense in which we can get a foretaste, a, 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 a whiff of the kingdom, the life that we were meant to live, that Jesus lived now in, on, in this earth, in, the, in his body on this earth, that he invites us to die before we die so that we can taste life before we're alive. And isn't this last week a, a, a perfect example of this tension of like, gosh, there's just so much death still. Even, even in the midst of life, where we taste it and we see it and we're like, oh, yes, that's what we're made for. Like pure love, sacrifice, forgiveness. Has anybody seen Philomena, the movie? Gosh, I, we're going to Ireland, so we've been watching like Irish movies. There's this moment at the end where, oh, it's so powerful. I can't tell you the whole story, but she just looks at this person who has wronged her and she says, I forgive you. And that's like, that's a glimpse of life before we live, right? To the church called Awaken. This is practice. We're not even talking about the game. This, what we do, this is practice. We're learning. We're, we're, we're coming to, this, to the story. We're, we're, we're hearing. We're listening. We're forming so that you can work it out in your real life out there. So work it out. This is class. Now you got to go and take the things we've practiced and put it into play in your real lives. And as you do, as you're in relationship with others, as there's conflict, there inevitably will, do it in a particular way. A way that doesn't include the way of the world. A way that doesn't include this perverted version of relationship and humanity. And if you can do this, my friends, I have no doubt in my mind that you too, like the Philippians, will shine like stars in the universe. You will be fresh water living water, good news to the people you find yourselves in life with. And that, my friends, is all you're here to do. That's, that, that, that's the, those are the orders. Like, that's what Jesus invites you to. Just demonstrate and announce. That's it. And the rest, God, do what you do. Bring justice. Use us. Heal. Forgive. May we be found faithful. Not gongismasing, but agapeing, loving unconditionally our brothers and sisters and those we come in contact with. So my friends, I don't know what's there for you, but uh, let's move to a moment of silence and a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll make our way to the table in response. God, as we take a moment to be still and quiet our hearts, and we think about the lives that we live, the, the practice that we 
attend each week, the things that we're learning about what it means to be followers of this Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, even now, remind my friends, bring to light, bring to heart whatever it is that you're inviting them to, whatever their next step is towards you, towards life, towards love, so that we might be beacons, light, so that we might be good news. So do that work in us, I pray. As we close this morning, we want to invite you to respond uh, as we do each week. Um, we gather, we join our voices together, meditate on the word, and then respond. So Mel's going to lead us in song. Uh, communion's available on my right and left. Uh, if you've not been here with us, there's some hand sanitizer. I invite you to grab a little bit of that. There's gluten-free bread. Uh, take a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. There's red wine, white grape juice. And know that as you do, the body of Christ has been broken for you blood of Christ has been shed for you. Um, so respond. Um, let your heart lead you uh, to respond to whatever it is the Spirit is doing in you this morning. Friends, it's good to be with you as always. Leave with this benediction, this blessing. Know that the Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord lifts up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen, amen. Grace and peace, friends. See ya. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter. Play with the community. See you next time.